0: Welcome, listeners, to The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon, the podcast that highlights cozy and traditional mysteries. You won't find stories filled with explicit sex or graphic violence. You will find interviews with authors who create crime fiction filled with intriguing plots, engaging characters, and high-quality writing. Thanks for listening. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, author and host of the podcast. My guest today is Julianne Lindsay, also known as Brie Baker, author of the Seaside Cafe Mysteries. Julie joins me in the corner today to chat about Partners in Line, the sixth in her series, uh, written as Brie Baker. Welcome, Julie. Hi, thanks for having me. I think it's fair to call a six book series long running. So, would you tell us what your protagonist, uh, Everly Swan, is up to this time
1: out? Sure. Okay. So, Everly Swan lives in a fictitious fictitious town in uh, the Outer Banks, North Carolina. And she has a seaside uh, home and she runs an iced tea shop out of the first floor. So, when she's not sleuthing, she is serving tea and in her cafe iced tea. And this time around, um, the island is excited about an annual play that really goes on down there. They reenact, in an outdoor amphitheater, they reenact uh, a play called The Lost Colony, and that is when it's about Roanoke, right? It's about the first settler that was born here, um, Virginia Dare, and how her grandpa went away to get supplies and it took a year to come back and the entire village, you know, the entire town is gone. in the course of that play, her friend Matt, who's an EMT, Everly's friend Matt, uh, is accused of murder. And of course she steps in because she can't have anyone slandering her buddy Matt's name.
0: Now, you mentioned that the, the play um, is uh, based on a real play? It is. The, the islands get very excited about it. They're very proud
1: of it. Um, on the website, calls it the heart of the island. Um, It's a huge tourist draw. As many times as I've been there, I've never gotten to see the play. So that is kind of a bummer, Um, but definitely on the bucket list, I think hundred percent worth going if you've ever get to the islands.
0: And for those of us who are not as familiar with uh, Carolina history as we should be, can you tell us a little bit about the lost colony of Roanoke?
1: Sure. Um, I wish I knew more than I do, but uh, so the the, English, right? They come across the Atlantic and they find land. But if you're familiar with the North Carolina coast, there are all these barrier islands. Very, very, it runs from, you know, they they start up in Virginia, they go along the coast of North and South Carolina. And it's this narrow strip of land that at some places it's only a mile wide. Um, But that, and then there's the bay and then the mainland. So ships coming across 300 years ago, they hit land and they stopped. And um, they set up a colony there at Roanoke and got things going. It was very hard, Um, the weather and just, you know, and it had never been inhabited. So they set up their town and, and the grandfather, Virginia Dare's grandfather. So she was the first baby born here. He got to see her born and he went to go get more supplies and it took a year round trip to get back. And when he came back, the entire village was gone. There was not. You know, no one left a note. There were no signs of where they'd been. There was no indication of why they'd gone. There weren't bodies. So it wasn't as if they'd starved or died of, of uh, the elements or hunger or anything like that. They were just gone. And to this day, we don't know where they went. They're just gone.
0: You have a theory about where they went?
1: I, I don't. Aliens? No, I don't. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I'm not sure. I hope that they all just moved you know, someplace safer. Hopefully they all moved on and set up and just due to lack of technology, they just never, you know, hopefully they were okay because it doesn't seem good.
0: Is <laughs> your one theory that they had uh, integrated with one of the local Native American tribes? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I, I love that. First of all, that's, that's my favorite. Um, the idea that they found, um, I don't know, a, help, friendship, uh, you know, camaraderie that they were able to, um, to make it through and, and set up somewhere else.
0: I like that the best. You know, help, uh, friendship, and camaraderie, um, as with many cozies, is a, a, a big part of, of your book, Partners in Lime. So how do you create uh, 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 the supporting characters uh, that kind of help fill out that, that cozy village that that uh, readers love so much
1: well I so I think I I um I'm often asked if I see myself in any of the characters and I think I might be guilty of putting myself um you know Mary Sue style into into all the books a little <laughs> bit as the heroine and I try really hard to create a cast that's going to complement her that's going to um be the support system that character needs. And I always do try to pick one or two that kind of get on her nerves <laughs> because cozy heroines really are genuinely good, but they're still human. So in this particular series, my heroine has a nemesis. She actually thinks of her, has her nemesis, a little girl, uh, so she's a grown woman now, but as a child, uh, Everly's mother died uh, in the story. She died of a broken heart. She couldn't get past the loss of her husband. And I'm uh, Everly's father. And roundabout middle school, this uh, girl, Mary Grace Chatsworth, came to the island and told all, the, all of Everly's friends that her brother wasn't dead. She joined the circus just to get away from Everly so she wouldn't have to raise her. And that hostility oh. simmers 20 years later.
0: <laughs> I can certainly see that why that person would be a nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you, you don't have to name any real names, but do you ever uh, put people who, who perhaps irritated you in the past and your, your book is one of those irritating characters?
1: I haven't. I haven't. But as sometimes, quite often, actually, in each of my series, I will just put names of friends, of neighbors. Of There's so many. You don't realize how many characters are in a book, really, until um, you're trying to write one and then another one and then a new series and everybody needs a different name. And at one point I was just stumped and a lack of time and I needed to move on. And I just used like everyone up and down my street at that time. (laughs) And they thought it was so much fun that I thought, well, this is the way to go. So now I quite frequently populate new books with just people from my life or, you know, from my reader group, just people I know, and they get a kick out of it. They enjoy it. And I don't know, it works. And, you know, our moms spend all this time trying to name us, right? So why make up new names when some moms have picked the perfect names already <laughs> and I go with it
0: um and, and and speaking of moms and you mentioned Everly's mother uh, Everly traces her or her family traces their history in your town of charm which is a charming a yes. town uh back hundreds of years uh, now in a lot of the stories the protagonist is kind of the newcomer to town so mm-hmm. How'd having a character with a history in the community influenced the story?
1: I think, I think her roots actually impact quite a bit of the story. Everly, um, you know, sometimes you're so close to it, you can't see it and being grown and raised there, she doesn't always see what maybe the sheriff sees or his au pair that comes with him that she's kind of the island's sweetheart, so to say. Everybody kind of talks about her family because it's just very unusual to be able to trace your family back more than a few generations and she can go um the swans go all the way back to the salem witch trials in which things got hairy and they moved they left they took off they found the islands they settled down and they've been there ever since um and so that alone their origin you know leads to speculation and her family is a little odd um and they carry on some of those uh traditions some things that they needed 300 years ago like beekeeping, extensive gardening, all of these things that kind of get the locals whispering, but they love it. They love the history and the intrigue and the lore that surrounds her family. And I think that really helped me create Everly because I imagine now what would it be like to grow up in this environment? What kind of child does that make? And um, it helped me form the secondary characters too, because how do they see her? The ones that maybe have known her their whole life and knew the ants versus the the newcomers, the sheriff and his au pair? How do they see her and interact with her?
0: And how do you, how do you balance revealing um, Everly's family history while still avoiding doing just you know, giant info dump of all of her backstory?
1: That's hard. I, I was talking to a new writer just recently, and that is the, that's the tricky part in a series. For me, it's the hardest part to start a new book, And to know that some readers are coming to it as old hat, they know probably as much or more than I do about the characters. And then there's gonna be people that just pick the book up for the first time and they're giving it a try. And then to try to give enough information early on so that new readers are not lost because this is new to them. And that old readers don't wanna thump me on the head because they've heard all this and they're here for a new story. that can be really, really challenging. I spend more time on those first three chapters often than the entirety of the rest of the book.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> one thing you, um, you do hint at some in, in the backstory and, and you sort of alluded to it with mentioning the Salem witch trials, uh, you talk about family curses and haunted mm. houses. It's not really a paranormal cozy, but uh, no. those, those elements make me uh, wonder, did the folklore of, of the Carolinas, or perhaps even Massachusetts, uh, um, influence the the series.
1: Uh, absolutely, uh, the I've been visiting the Outer Banks annually with my family, just absolutely forever. Once a year, long vacation, you know, long week, ten days, whatever we can get, and I would always sit there and. Um, Read about the lore. Some, there was ghost walks pre-pandemic. You could do ghost walks there. And there's just so much history. Every tiny little town has at least two museums. So, you know, it's just rich in this history, and it seems so foreign. You know, it's just right across the bay, but it's like its own culture, its own vibe, its own place. Um, I, I think of it some in some ways, like I do a big in New Orleans. It just feels different there, and you know, it's the thick um, history. And so that definitely impacted it. And I, um, the other thing I think is me, I get really geeked out on, on the concept of magic. Is there magic in the world? And what does that mean? Does it mean hocus pocus magic? Is it just, you know, the beauty of nature magic? And I've tried really hard in every one of these books to imply that there is magic and but not to tell the reader what kind of magic it is. Because I think the beauty of books is that they are what we need them to be when we read them. So those people that love magic, like practical magic magic in the books are gonna see that. And the people that just enjoy um, you know, the idea of it are gonna think it's really neat and sweet, but obviously not magic because that's not real. And yeah, so I've, I've kind of tried to stay right on that line without without going either way, all the way to the
0: end. <laughs> and you, you mentioned how um, the Outer Banks uh, being islands make it very different than uh, you know, life on the mainland. Um, so what were some of the challenges associated with setting a series on an island? I mean, it's, you, know, on the, you can't just have them hop in the car and drive three states away easily. So what, what were some of the challenges about having your series on an island?
1: That's a good one. Um, I didn't. I didn't work any of those challenges that I would personally, you know, because I always dream about. I'm going to move to the Outer Banks every every year when I'm there visiting. I think, would not it be nice to just stay? But then I worry about weather, hurricanes, evacuation, getting to um, proper hospital care, like true emergent care and things like this. And um, I try to avoid those. As I wrote the books, I tried to make sure that. You know, this tiny town of charm, it has a hospital, it's got a police station, it's got the CMT with this hunky uh, (laughs) mat working. So everyone's (laughs) glad when he comes. Uh, I try to make sure it has everything that they need. And I tried in that way to keep it light because like you mentioned, it's so hard sometimes to balance with a cozy, um, to keep it light and positive so that it's always an escape for my readers and finding that balance. I kind of just carved out the things that might be actually problematic to live on an island. <laughs> Pretend they've got it all figured out.
0: <laughs> well, one of the things they have on your island is iced tea. Um, Everly's Cafe yes. specializes in iced tea. <laughs> uh, so the gotta get the big question out of the way. For those who don't know, um, you know I, people listening to the show grew up all over the place. So for those who don't know, what's the difference between sweet tea and unsweet tea? Because it's it's more than just dumping some sugar in a glass
1: of iced tea. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I don't know. Sweet tea is like the drink of the South and, and they, the Southerners take sweet tea very, very seriously. And when they say sweet, they, they mean sweet, <laughs> not a spoonful of sugar. <laughs> it's been boiled with it. you know, a couple cups of sugar and, um, and so I tried to really build on that with Everly serves 20 flavors of iced tea on any given day. She tries new ones. She's got archived uh, different recipes from her family. And um, I try to mix it up. So it's not always that old fashioned sweet tea that I love, but um, she puts a twist on it. And so you can come in there and get yourself some basil, strawberry tea and some peach tea and she makes the teas without sugar because dietary reasons. Not everyone can have two cups of sugar in their glass of iced tea. So uh, I try to include recipes even where they're um, using fruit to kind of, to make a, to sweeten the tea by heating the, heating the fruit and boiling the, boiling the fruit for the sweetness. I've learned to love tea. (laughs)
0: And what led you to decide to make iced tea? What, uh, Everly's cafe specializes in,
1: you know, I had just come back from another trip to the beach. It was a summer and I had just had a ton of tea, um, more than usual. And it was something that my mother and I, and maybe my mother-in-law, um, we usually do big family. Like we get everyone together. When we go we get one of those big houses on the beach and everybody just breathes and we're just together, but it was a, it was almost like a running joke through the week. It was so much tea. and more, you know, just crazy amount of tea. And I um, was saying how it was funny that there are so many tea shops, but when we go to tea shops here, it's the, it's hot tea, right? It's hot tea. It's the little finger sandwiches. It's very elegant. You dress up, you go to an old house and you have a proper tea. But even at the beach where we've been all week, all these islands there wasn't an iced tea shop. Like, I felt like there was just something wrong in the world. Where are the iced tea shops where you go and get all the different tea? And, you know, you go in flip flops and cutoffs because it's the beach instead of, you know, big hats and fancy clothes. And it, I just ran with it from there.
0: <laughs> and you, you mentioned the, the wide variety of uh, flavors of, of tea that Everly serves. Mm. Are those? Based on real iced tea recipes you've come across, or were they specially developed from, from for the book? And um, and she serves food as well as tea. I mean, are those based on your family recipes, or uh, did you have a recipe designer develop them for you?
1: No, those are it's co- it's a compilation. I. Um... Now that I'm writing the series, I go looking for you know it's a tough job you guys. When I go to the beach now, I go looking for good food for <laughs> research. <laughs> it's not just for funsies anymore. Um, but I pay more attention to the menus, you know, and some things just sound so neat, and I I will take pictures with my phone of the menu to remember to look up later. Um, I do lots of research, just looking at at what's out there and comparing and contrasting. And I do have fun putting some of the recipes together, the easy, the easy ones. Um, And then I wrote into Everly's character that she had gone away from the island to study at culinary school. So her recipes that we see on the page are often a little more in-depth than the ones that I include in the book. Um, And maybe that's, that's a me thing, but I think I need I need something delicious and fast and easy because I'm not a chef. I never have any time. Everybody's always hungry here. So, (laughs) so yeah. So I try to put more every day. Anybody can do this and it's going to be delicious
0: at the end of the book. And and I, I believe, uh, Everly, uh, because it's important to have uh, family recipes as, as part of yes. what she she serves. So what what is it about a recipe that's handed down through the generations um, that that makes it so special?
1: I think um, I wish I had more of them. I have recipes from my mom and that's about as far back as, as my little tiny family goes. but the entire series I've kind of weave that that thread the importance of history, um, and family and lineage, ancestry, it's been important all the way through. This is a family that, um, that deeply care about the history, not just of their family, but of the island, the town that they helped to settle. And so it seemed appropriate, I guess, that she, that Everly, who loves to cook, would then open, make her business around the recipes that her family's been serving one another Always, just forever. And, and when you think about how far back that was, these recipes were, they came from the island, you know, like you said, they couldn't quickly just go somewhere else. So their ingredients were things that they had then. And as the series goes on, Everly makes note in, you know, in the pages, she's thinking more and more about how important that is just to have this, this link to an anchor uh, to that place and to these people and, and her desire grows, I guess, to reach out and and to pass that on and to push that forward and to share what she has, that she becomes so thankful and really realizes um, more and more often as the books go on that she is,
0: she can't possibly be cursed because life is good. (laughs) Uh, Readers will certainly uh, expect to find sweet tea and family recipes and frankly, even curses and ghosts in uh, a series uh, set in the uh, North Carolina Outer Banks. One thing they may not expect, though, is surfing. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're surfing, you think California, Hawaii, maybe Florida, but there's a big surfing is important in this one. It, well, yeah. And that
1: came from another trip. I was uh, down there at a different time of year, maybe late in the summer. Or maybe it was early in the spring. It was a, it was off season for a change, um, working around my kids' schedule so that it, you know nobody missed too much school. And there was a big surf championship or something, and it was um, taking place on the beach. Or maybe it was promotion for it. But I remember that sounded absolutely ridiculous because I've been in the ocean here, and there are not way. And I've seen, I've been to Hawaii, and I've watched surfing on TV. You know, they've got the big giant waves that just they look. You know, they make the surfers look like little dots on the water, and that's not what you get or not what I've ever seen in, in the Outer Banks, but I apparently I just haven't been there at the right time of year, and that there's a section called the S-curves um, near Rodanthe that is, is a big deal surf spot, and they have surfing championships there, so put that on my list, too, because <laughs> I'm all about watching
0: some surf championships. <laughs> Did you have the chance to talk to any surfers uh, about surfing in uh, the Carolina? No, and I hate
1: that because I, but <laughs> I, I reached out on some different uh, websites. You know, I'm like I'm like my sleuth here. That's my extent. That's about how brave I get. But I did send some emails, just some questions, and I didn't get any. I didn't get any FaceTime or any you know Zoom time or any time to really get anything other than you know read the website kind of thing or what are they, cookie cutter kind of answers Very, They're probably cut and paste. Someone's <laughs> job is just to answer with the facts.
0: <laughs> but, uh, and now, uh, uh, what's uh, next for, for Everly and the town of Charm? Uh, more surfing or iced tea? <laughs> yeah,
1: lots of iced tea. OK, so I have good and bad news about Everly and the team. Uh, Book seven will release next spring in March, I believe. It's called Pleading the Fish, and it will be the last Seaside Cafe mystery. Yeah, writing that was super bittersweet. I outlined it when I was at the Outer Banks this April, and I took pictures of myself because I was like crying, and I'm like, this is so crazy because um, the characters are real. You know, the authors get very attached as much as when I read books and get attached to other people's characters. Uh, And it feels like their last adventure will be, you know, the last time I get to spend time with them. So that's very bittersweet, but I have to give um, so much props to my publisher because they knew in advance that they wanted to wrap it up in book seven. And they told me probably a year, I think I might've been writing Partners in Lime when they told me that that would be it. So I had all kinds of time to think of all the things that readers ask will they get the lemon cake recipe you know is grady going to drop dead if he loves (laughs) everly like there's some who is the town charmer there are pressing questions that need addressed and because they told me in advance i had lots of time to i hope write a book that is so perfect in its conclusion that fans of the series will finish it be so satisfied that they'll want to read all seven again because now they know what you know now they know and um yeah so so it was bittersweet to see it end but I really truly enjoyed it and I'm really proud of the results so hopefully everyone will stick around and read book seven too <laughs>
0: And can you tell us that they'll get the lemon cake recipe or is that like top secret information?
1: I saved it till the end. and I'm so nervous that it's not gonna live up to. So here is me who's already told you, I'm not very great. and not superb in the kitchen, trying to come up with a recipe worth the hype. Okay, this is the recipe. It just gets more and more important as the series goes on. This lemon cake just keeps being more important. And by the end of book seven, I'm like, how am I supposed to come up with a recipe? That's been around three hundred years. That's you know, <laughs> that's that's everything Grady needs in his life. How can I possibly? I tried, job. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it did okay.
0: I, I'm sure it will. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's uh, what's uh, on the horizon or on the planner after the Seaside Cafe series wraps up?
1: Well, let's see. I. I write romantic suspense for Harlequin, so those will still be coming out through next year. And um, I'm trying to think of what else I've. Okay, so I'm starting a new series as myself, right? As Julian Lindsay. And that was a brainstorm during the pandemic. I was feeling, you know, like we all were feeling. I just needed to do something. I don't know. It was very general. I needed to do something, and I write. So I um, decided I would write my own cozy mystery series and, and just uh, be the publisher. So it's a self I've, I've partner some lime comes out on Tuesday. It is my 42nd traditionally published novel. Wow. And sometime last year, sitting at my dining room table, talking uh, to my mother-in-law about books. I thought I should just do it. I should just try to write a series and, and start to finish, I'm going to be the publisher, I'm going to find an artist, I'm going to learn about marketing and advertising, I'm going to figure this out, I'm going to see if I can do it, and if I don't, I tried, and I'm guaranteed to learn a ton, right, even if you fail, you learn what didn't work, right, True. So, so that's kind of a big deal, that, that series to me is the Bonnie and Clyde mysteries, I've got a, an amateur sleuth named Bonnie and her kitty companion Clyde, And, you know, with names like those, what could go wrong, right?
0: (laughs) The the more that goes wrong, the more interesting the book, right?
1: The more fun it gets. That's absolutely right. So hopefully there's lots more good food, small towns and quirky characters
0: and banter, because
1: I am a sucker for good banter.
0: (laughs) So that will be under Julianne Lindsay. Julianne Lindsay, yeah. And what do you write? uh, What uh, pen name do you use for a I'm also Julian Lindsay. I write that as myself
1: also. Okay.
0: So Seaside Cafe is the only one you write as Bree Baker. It's
1: the only one I write as Brie Baker. In October, I wasn't thinking of this. In October, um, the third book in my Christmas tree farm mysteries that I write as Jacqueline Frost comes out. So there's that too. I've been waiting on that for a while.
0: <laughs> I guess people probably listen and say, well, I thought this was supposed to be Bree Baker. It's it's the same. Same wonderful author, Brie Baker, Jacqueline Frost, Julianne Lindsay. Um, so right. lots, lots to to read. <laughs> right. Super cute. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> and an author by any other name is still a mystery author, right? That's right. I just love my cozies. <laughs> um and if if readers would like to connect with you under any of your your names, oh. uh, where, where can they do that?
1: They can find me at juliannlinindsey.com. I've consolidated every, every series, whatever the name is, they're right there on the front page. So you should you know, maybe identify the cover and know, there you are, that's what you're after.
0: And um, are you on Facebook or Twitter? Or anything? Absolutely,
1: I'm on, I'm on all. I, I uh, have a reader group on Facebook called the Cozy Queens. And um, I try to interact there every day and I use it more. I have a Facebook page, you know, Facebook, Julie and Lindsay but those aren't quite as interactive. Those feel more like, you know, just making sure everybody's okay out there. And if there's anything we're celebrating, it's a step back. I think the cozy Queens, the reader group I started has been a lot of fun because those are the people who want to interact. And so when I get in there, they talk to each other. They post, you know, I mean, it's starting to feel like a family. It's a large family, but I really enjoy the interaction and it keeps me going because, um, yeah, it doesn't matter how many books you write. I think you always turn it in thinking they're gonna tell me to lose lose their number. <laughs> this <laughs> is junk. <laughs> so um, it feels good to be with to be with friends.
0: <laughs> and and where can friends, old and new and future, uh, find a copy or buy a copy of um, their partners in Lime or um, actually any of your other your other uh, cozies. Right. <laughs>
1: I think anywhere anywhere books are, are sold, I think that um, I think they're out there. And Partners in Lime is starting. I'm starting to see reader pictures. So even though the official release day is Tuesday, they're starting to show up on shelves and they're out in the wild. It's very exciting. Every single time I get
0: the goosebumps and I'm super excited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any Outer Banks area bookstores you'd like to suggest people check out?
1: There is one. There's one I always go to when I'm there. And she just did a big remodel. And I'm blanking because I on what it's called. It's in Hatteras, Hatteras Village. It might be Hatteras Village Books. It might be called Village Books. I'm so sorry. I should know this. This is my place. The <laughs> pre-pandemic, I was on my way down there in 2020 to sign books because uh, book five was coming out and. I'm just blanking right now. I'm so sorry.
0: You can do like, you can give directions like they do in the South and say, you know, turn left at um, (laughs) this farm and uh, it's no next to the Piggly Wiggly. That's right. (laughs) People would know exactly where it was. (laughs) Yeah. My family's from South Carolina, so I'm making Carolina jokes, so I actually love the Carolinas. They're, they're beautiful areas, and um, so I'm, I'm. Anybody listening to the Carolinas, I'm not making fun of you.
1: No, my, my mother's
0: family is from the South Carolina of the Carolinas, so I, I, I love, love the it.
1: I yeah, both all Carolinas make me happy.
0: <laughs> as happy as a big glass of sweet tea. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well. Thank you very much for stopping in today to, to chat about um, partners in lime and um, let readers know where they can find you and um, you know hopefully find your upcoming independent self published series and mm-hmm. uh, the cozy queens on Facebook if they would uh, like to to chat some more about uh, your cozies or, or any others um, appreciate you taking your time today um, and also thanks for the for. Talks about surfing in the carolinas <laughs> That was surprising. I would not have put those two together.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. You made it easy. I was so nervous. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> you don't seem nervous at all. I promise. <laughs> and thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Cozy Corner. My guest today was Julie Ann Lindsay, also known as Brie Baker author of Partners in Line, the sixth and next to last, oh no, Seaside Cafe Mystery. I'm Alexia Gordon, host of the show. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you, listeners for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star rating or review. Help me keep bringing you fun and informative chats with authors of cozy and traditional mysteries by supporting the podcast on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash author Alexia Gordon. Until next time, goodbye.